Hello. You are listening to the Prism Collective podcast, an exploration of various artists and writers in Southern California. I am the host and curator, Brandon Stuhl. This episode will feature a short story by Andrew Stebbins titled, And. Andrew did his undergraduate at UC Riverside, where he studied creative writing, and I first met him at Chapman University, where we were in the creative writing and English literature graduate program together. I must say, there were a lot of wonderful writers in the program with us, but it was Andrew's work in particular that downright captured the hearts and minds of everyone in the workshop. Andrew currently teaches American literature at the high school level, and he is hard at work on his first novel. Now, did you ever wonder what it would be like to upgrade a part of yourself? Maybe even trade your whole body in for the new, fancier model, with all of the bells and whistles, 0% APR? Well, you're about to find out. Here is Andrew Stebbins reading his story, And. Monday, 10.44 a.m. What the hell did you do with my body? Andrea Dinkett left her check half-written, only the dollar amount blank. The receptionist scratched her curled hair with a pen. Cheap salon. All I can see is that the name is no longer in our system, said Cheap Salon. Neither of them? Andrea asked. A phone call paused Cheap Salon's answer. A dead end. She doesn't know who I am. The only seats left in the waiting room were next to the telepad. Housewives and husbands squawked into headsets, staring at holograms of their significant others in the empty air while ignoring the kids they'd brought to the clinic in the first place. The elderly filled in the rest of the seats, void of technology and void of life. Television sets plastered like wallpaper, each one with a different message to suit the viewer's medical history. Between a coughing child and a comatose veteran was a green door with handle and knob. Old-fashioned, opens from the outside. I won't sit. Ryan's leaving in two days. 9.30 a.m. Is he even here today? That kid needs a damn tissue. Doctors keep sporadic schedules. 9.30 a.m. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't have time to wait for him anyway. Andrea left Cheap Salon to her conversation. The green door opened without resistance, and beyond it the walls of the hallway were a feverish white. To the left, nurses gathered around a doctor who backhanded a stack of papers and yelled something about overdose and liability. Not him. Cute smile, though. Just walk like you know what you're doing. How do people walk straight while wearing these things? A night of binge drinking, walking up the stairs to my bed. Andrea shuffled past the desks and files of the entrance area until fully concealed behind the walls leading to the waiting rooms. Most of the patients sat with expectant looks on stretchers made to look hospitable, unattended by any of the staff. Yellow lights on the walls above the open doors and red lights over the closed ones. Inside one of those, a lone nurse materialized near the end of the hallway and walked towards her, twirling a roll of gauze on her index finger. Confidence. Andrea extended her arm into the nurse's path. The bathrooms are near the front, the nurse hardly slowed down. No, I work here, Andrea said. Shit, keep grinning. Maybe she won't remember. Another day in a long day of faces. Knock her out. No, keep talking. Where's Dr. Reed? He's with a patient now. Confidence. I'm his wife. 
barely spoken two sentences and I'm already contradicting myself. But the nurse didn't respond immediately. Her attention turned from the gauze to an examination of Andrea's eyes, drawn into a blinking contest which she seemed destined to lose. Mrs. Reed, the nurse hesitated. Whatever you've heard about Dr. Reed and me, I swear it was professional. I had an infection and he was... I don't care what happened between you, I just want to know where he is. Doctor's office turned brothel. Where did this come from? Most likely to be taken advantage of. Ancient YouTube video with the buffalo, the lion, and the crocodile. Room 17A. The nurse didn't blink. She followed the opposite hallway, nearly colliding with the door of an emerging patient. 17A was a remote room down a westward winding hallway, across from a room with many windows, thick walls, thick doors, familiar ceilings, foreign floors, already half asleep for the operation. Don't even remember the doctors putting on gloves and masks. I'll take the telepad, damn heels. I'll take the telepad, scarring my feet won't matter. The door swung outward, easy, where its handle met the drywall with a crunch. Within, a patient closed her open legs on impulse and trapped the head of a short doctor between them. Ruffled hair, silky pants, careful fingers, sniffing his patient's precious pussy. Mild arousal? Dr. Reed's exclamations were muffled by thick thighs while the patient's scream burst like buckshot. The legs removed the doctor from their vice grip as the patient plunged behind the bed where she made a survey for her pants. Dr. Reed remained collected. Does he know why I'm here? He helped his patient collect her things. Demands were made for some sort of reparations, the patient's embarrassment bearing a hefty price. Dr. Reed, it's an infection. Rub this on it twice a day and you'll be fine. No, no charge. He cleared the room of the patient. With a button next to the light switch, he told the room to sterilize itself. Whirring motors awakened in each of the walls. The doctor lit a cigarette. Air sterilizers earning their keep. How big are his shoes? I apologize for the smoke, but this is something of an occasion. I've never had this happen before, Dr. Reed said. Trails of smoke from his nostrils combed through ruffled white hair. He knows me. Wrinkled hands changed me. A light near a closed window to shut itself off. Then on then off again. Thunder, face not moving, waiting, ash falling on the floor. Ask, Dr. Reed said. I want my old body back, Andrea said. The doctor closed his eyes and nodded. Smoke like a snake's tongue. I'm curious, why do you want it back? You're beautiful now, so beautiful it's sickening. The doctor spat on the floor where the whirring motors absorbed it, turned it clean again. Sea cups, auburn hair, face of Aphrodite, perfect ratio of freckles to clear skin, I calculated. Same person. I can barely stand. He's different now than he was before. Bedside manner facade. He knows me. An artist remembers his work. Death of a balding factory worker. Cold floor. It's not me. This body doesn't fit me, Andrea answered. Save those answers for your friends and family. No family, one tentative friend. You were checked and cross-checked by tests for two months. That's why the tests exist. Your body itself yearned to be replaced. 
I could hear your pores speak. Ryan's face, high heels, forced apart from my embrace. Words, tears blurring words on a page. His lips. None of your business? I'm sure it's not, but I'd like to know. At the very least, I'm liable. I can't just replace bodies indiscriminately, no matter how cheap. There have been studies on the psychological effects. Lots of finger pointing. Dr. Reed listened to the conversation with a second set of ears. A recording device lay unconcealed in his right hand. He smoked with his left. For posterity's sake, Andrea asked. For my sake, and for science, Dr. Reed said. Nothing vaguer than science. You don't even have my body, do you? I can probably get your body back, but I have no idea how long it will take. A month, maybe. Two days. 9.30. No, I need it now. The main problem is finding someone who is willing to retrieve it. All the undesirables are sent to a dumping ground. We just don't have the space for them here. I'll get it myself. Just tell me where it is. Dr. Reed sent a long sequence of numbers and letters to Andrea's phone. I'll be seeing you in a day or a week, however long it takes you to find it, Dr. Reed said. In the waiting room, both the child and the veteran were gone. Cheap salon remained, lost in a phone conversation which never seemed to have an end. Have you been helped? Cheap salon asked, cupping her hand over the receiver. She doesn't know who I am. Without an answer, Andrea punched the numbers and letters she received from the doctor into the telepad. Starting from the floor, the air twisted, folded in on itself. Needed by gravity, Andrea shrank and ceased to exist. Monday, 11.32 a.m. The air recreated Andrea below a sign of metal and rust. Ten feet, maybe twenty tall, the only words it knew were those of its own name. Everybody Disposal Service. A rainbow palette of colors, a picture below the name. A pudgy stick figure next to a black cube with mock arms and legs next to a thin stick figure surrounded by lines of implied radiance. The horizon was dominated by a fence which extended from either side of the sign. Opaque, its only opening sealed by an ovular plug of steel large enough to have been the door of a hangar. The plug opened as a rusted truck exited. Andrea slipped in before it closed. No other entrance, is there? Prop 162, the only reason they have a telepad here. Fuck that sun playing peekaboo with the clouds. Nothing but dark walls and immense space greeted Andrea within. A light at the far end of the room revealed some movement. Come to audit the bodies? God's voice seemed to boom from the dark walls. Andrea approached the light in the distance until the light revealed the interior of another room, the movement inside coming from a skinny, bleached white man who spoke into a microphone. I came to look for my old body, Andrea yelled. I'm going to break my fucking ankle. Can he even hear me? You're, You're serious, serious, God's voice responded. Without reply, Andrea approached God's voice in his lighted room. The door opened for her. Other than the lamps, there was a chair, an open porno mag, busty broads in their first bodies, a control panel with the red and white buttons and the microphone from which God's voice had projected. Andrea asked God's voice about the body. 
It was a bit of an emergency, and she'd prepared some under-the-table compensation if necessary. God's voice said it wasn't necessary, seeing as it was actually illegal to otherwise reject her request. Quite a bit less perilous without the assistance of a microphone. Even if people want their original bodies back, they usually just order a replacement with some of the old flaws removed. Turns out the last couple of people I let have their old bodies back were serial murderers. Had to report them, of course, God's voice said. How do you know I'm not a murderer, Andrea said. Didn't think about that. Beautiful girl like you, though, you couldn't be a killer. Cops, too much time. It's just that I can't wait for a replacement. I need me. You mean the old you. I know they say the soul's preserved or some shit, but something always stays different when you change bodies. Take it from someone who's changed his own body four times. Crooked eyebrow. Beautiful babe like you must have always been beautiful, right? An automatic door opened on the wall behind God's voice. Thick clouds full of rain emptied their bowels into the enclosure beyond the door. Hadn't the sun been out only minutes before? There was the smell of honey. The bodies don't rot. Talking Tina. Life-size models, hundreds of thousands. The bodies maintained the colors their cheeks had in life, stacked by the hundreds into grotesque, abandoned anthills which continued for miles. There were paths in the dirt between the mounds of discarded bodies, with tire tracks made deeper by the rain. God's voice had a tram with a top, and he drove while Andrea told him where and when she'd lost her body. Luckily, it was a long way off from incinerator season, so her body should still be with the others out of St. Mary's medical group. Dr. Reed's grotesque hill wasn't nearly as large as some of the others, but still contained a hundred bodies or more. Others, too. Add in the paper, Ryan's living room always smells like pumpkin seeds. Along Serenity Parkway, the dogs are barking. Not today. Good luck, God's voice said. You're not going to help, Andrea asked. How am I supposed to know what your old body looks like? He doesn't know who I am. Over half the bodies in the pile were obese, almost to the point where they were unrecognizable as humans. Rolls of fat made vague the distinction between limbs. All were naked. The smell of honey. I'm a honeybee. Despite the girth these obese patients possessed in life, as dolls they were no more heavy than a pile of books, albeit quite a bit more awkward to carry. This man's flesh. Wrinkled skin against my closed eyes. Smells of honey taste. Sweat and mud and rain. Vomit introduced itself in Andrea's esophagus, stinging her nostrils as it receded. She dragged a Caucasian man from the bottom of the pile. This made little progress. She discarded her high-heeled shoes, muddy grave, good riddance, and ascended the fleshy hill to work at it from the top, a bear sinking into a honeypot. The first body, then the second, rolled lengthwise down the hill. A woman, her arms like the broken limbs of a tree, tattoos of snake tongues, someone with eyes wide and pupils dilated, the smell of honey, 9.30, Ryan's sweet, sweet lips. 
heads the shape of fish bowls, an awkward broken body with the bones protruding from the skin but no blood, organs clearly visible but no blood, an orgy in a gas chamber. Beneath these and near the center of the pile, a balding man with off-white skin, narrow nose, the scar where my mother stabbed me, snail head penis, snowman feet, perfect cuticles. This body Andrea handled gingerly, descending the petrified mass of fleshy dolls as if it were an altar. Andy, are you broken or battered? Last week in the mirror you forgot to shave. God's voice laughed with the volume only allowed to him by the microphone in his office. Wednesday, 9.30 a.m. Andy Dinkett woke up in the doctor's office two hours behind schedule. Unfamiliar ceiling, clock overhead, 9.30. I'm taller now, 9.30. He did not speak. He rose from the gurney, toppled the young nurse who checked his pulse. Banging Dr. Reed, the nurse said something inflammatory, but he ignored it, donning his coat. Where's the rest of my clothes? Over hospital garbs. I haven't even the time to look in the mirror. Different room from last time. Where's the telepad? Ryan's never been prompt. I changed back for you, so please don't. No, no words. Cold floor. He'll see me and he'll know. In the waiting room, a mother covered her child's eyes as Andy made his way to the telepad. Must be the breeze. And with a folding of the air, Andy was transported to the entrance of his house, where he exited to a small suburban cul-de-sac, where the only activity to be seen was from a brownish man with a comb over loading his bags into an idling car. Ryan, leaving, eyes up. White houses, a for sale sign, Baked in Ryan's front yard, five stationary vans, asphalt like fire, walk on grass, ducks and crows mid-flight. Ryan's words exchanged with the driver of the car, wedding ring still on. And then Ryan's words were for him. God damn it, Andy. Ryan seemed to load the bags into the car faster. Acts normal, fake, words stopping before they become real. Is that any way to, I was just trying to help you, stock phrases, the kiss. Ryan packed the car, paid no attention to Andy's words. His eyes refused contact. When his mouth moved, the words were silent. You have some fucking nerve, Ryan finally said. It's already been a year. Why now? Because I love you. I wanted you inside me. I wanted to fill in what you lost. These words, however, never became real. In middle school, Paul beating the shit out of me and you didn't laugh, only you. Andy picked up the last piece of Ryan's luggage, a brown duffel bag with a pink tassel on the zipper. I just came to say goodbye, Andy said, nothing else. Ryan's facial features contorted from clenched teeth to a glare with relaxed eyebrows, tweaked nose, then a half smile. When Ryan extended his hand, palm up, Andy shook it. After that shit you pulled, Ryan said, leaving his sentence half-formed. From inside the car, the driver yelled and pointed at his watch. I'll send you a card from Europe. Another minute and the car transporting Ryan was already around the corner, beyond Andy's line of sight. Gone, punctuation of 35 years. Work tomorrow. 
gone. I'll buy his house. I can't. This wet grass is real. Neighbor sprinklers, 9 a.m. When Andy entered his home, nothing greeted him. Mail crinkling beneath my feet. He let himself sit in the entrance, discarding week-old letters that the postal service had piled upon the floor. Inside of a particularly thick envelope, an ID card fell into his readied hand. Auburn hair, face of Aphrodite, perfect ratio of freckles to clear skin. A note inside, Congratulations, Andrea Dinkett, on your new body and your new life. Please return your old identification card within 15 days for immediate disposal. On the kitchen counter, he fished in Andrea's purse until he found her wallet. From behind a clear plastic, Andy Dinkett, date of birth July 22nd, 2022, straightened teeth, eyes blue, sideburns long back then, looked at him from some point in the past. He laid Andy Dinkett beneath the portrait of Andrea Dinkett. Same interest, same job. Mother standing by the plasma screen. Christmas hymns before the fire. Dad reclined. Video games until 12 a.m. But which is the old ID? Which is the new? And where? Where have I gone? That was Andrew Sevens reading his short story titled, And. You've been listening to the Prism Collective Podcast, production and music by myself, Brandon Stuhl. For more information about the podcast or featured artists, visit prismcollective.org.